Welcome to the Lows to Highs podcast. I am your host, Karin, and on this show, you will learn how to live a present life, find gratitude in all of the low moments, and experience freedom and bliss as you propel into your higher self. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I am so, so excited for this conversation that I'm bringing to you guys truly one of the most remarkable conversations that I've been able to document and hold space for on my show thus far in the lows to highs podcast career, I guess you could say. And when I was editing this episode, I felt so reinvigorated and energized because It really is a testament to what a beautiful connection can foster for you. Today I speak with Jean Grey, who is also known as The Grey Layers on Instagram. She is a beautiful, radiant, pure, kind soul. She's literally an angel on earth. Like That's how I would describe her aura and her energy, which you will definitely sense as you listen to this episode. She is a fashion influencer, content creator, entrepreneur, all of the different things. If you don't follow her on Instagram, I highly suggest going to her feed. You will instantly feel connected to her, the way she thinks, the way she visually art directs, the content that she captures, the stories she puts up, the vulnerability, the things that she shares. I originally started following Jean back in 2020, I believe, and we started to create like an Instagram connection, just sliding into each other's DMs, swiping up to each other's stories. I gifted her my first merch collection back in 2020, and that was kind of the start of our friendship. And finally, this past summer, we decided to grab coffee, and you know those new connections where you sit down for the first time and it immediately you have this feeling of okay this person was meant to be in my life and god brought them to me at the right time and we're really going to help each other out on our journeys that is exactly how i felt when i met jean for the first time i mean i remember as i was walking to the coffee shop i was seeing angel numbers all day and I walked into the coffee shop at like 333 and her and I really geek out on angel numbers and I immediately I just knew like she's going to be someone really really special in my life and the first time we got coffee we sat down and talked for two hours about life and trauma and healing and horseback riding and content creation and friendships and all the different things really intense, vulnerable, deep conversation, which is something I really geek out on. I'm really good at the small talk, but I love getting into the deep stuff. And I remember I left that coffee date feeling so grateful of someone new that just walked into my life in the way that she did. Over the past few months, we've really forged a deeper connection with one another. And this was the first time that I've actually done an in-person interview, which was so excited for me. Not that I have my whole podcast set up in my apartment that great. Um, The studio is still, you know, underway. One day we'll have that. But what you will sense is the energetic connection that we share. 
And the reason why I'm really excited for this episode is because you will see how when someone who is meant to be in your life is meant to be in your life, they will allow you to see things differently. They will bring out the best in you. They will guide you or tell you exactly what you need to hear. And they will essentially support you into becoming your authentic self or embracing the parts of you that you once never fully embraced. And so in this chat that I have with Jean, you will see how we both kind of bounce off one another and we both allow each other to unpack what we individually were never able to you know i gave her the space to think deeper on her own life experiences she did the same for me and so what you're going to hear in this episode i'm going to just give you some bullet points of what to expect we start off the conversation talking about fully embracing our identity and correcting mispronunciation pronunciations of our names, which was such a huge thing for me. We talk about unintentionally falling into the world of influencing for Jean, which happened 10 years ago. We talk about how a fake Instagram account that pretended to be Jean is actually what led her to finding her purpose. We both explain experiences that felt like the end of the world for both of us, but how those experiences were actually redirecting us towards the right path. We talk about the energy behind posting on social media, combating imposter syndrome by doing the inner work, finding the balance between humility and confidence, taking a pause in order to celebrate the success you've achieved. Jean explains her journey towards spirituality and reclaiming her personal relationship with God, which is really a remarkable part of the conversation, wherever you stand with your beliefs. We also kind of end on placing high standards for ourselves along with the boundaries towards others out of you know consideration and respect. We really talk about everything and anything, and I hope you feel inspired and see yourself in this conversation. It truly was life-changing for me because Jean pointed out things that I kind of missed in my life and things I've been working on but haven't been able to fully practice. And I'm just so grateful that I have this conversation documented so that I can re-listen and come back to it. I will also say in the beginning of the episode, we talk about how we both have allowed people to mispronounce our names and how we've been doing it to ourselves really and ever since this conversation i've completely pivoted how i introduce myself i even texted john a few days ago being like girl i was calling my credit card company and usually when they ask for my name i say my name is karen because it's easier and this was the first time i said hi my name is karin and i was just telling her like if it wasn't for this conversation we had i probably wouldn't have pivoted and now i'm just really excited to embrace that part of myself so you will hear all about it in the episode so without further ado let's get into it you're my first guest in person this is amazing i'm excited i'm so excited it feels so different energetically to have you you physically here 
You're the I first mean, guest. <laughs> after all our amazing conversations, this is, this is going to be a breeze. Loki, when we were chatting before, I was like, oh, damn it. I wish we were recording this part of the conversation. <gasps> I know. I know. There was a lot of really good tidbits that oh came out. Oh, my gosh. But... Well, I'm so honored and excited to actually have a recording of our conversations because I feel like every time I connect with you in person... I just feel so inspired and I feel like I learn about myself as I'm speaking about my own life and I feel like we both just bounce off and we have a very similar headspace and mind, mindset and I'm so excited to see where this conversation takes us and bring our riveting, powerful conversations to the audience. So with that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself in whatever way feels in alignment today. So I have currently rebranded this year. For so long, people have known me as Jean. And this year, I really wanted to stay in my power and find that boundary to say my name correctly, introduce my name correctly to everybody. And so I am Jean. So <laughs> the rebrand. <laughs> I'm still getting used to it, but yes. Yeah, so I am the girl behind the gray layers, and I've been a content creator slash influencer for nine years, going ten next year. And um, that's it. Wait, I want to unpack this so much because I have that. I'm currently experiencing that identity crisis of the name pronunciation. And I keep going back and forth in my own head of how to introduce my own self because so backstory and I'm so I'm so excited to hear what that journey for you has been like because growing up my I'm Armenian so Mm -hmm. my name was Karin growing up but then once I went to American school everyone just started to call me Karen because it was so much easier than me trying to explain to someone how to roll their R's because if you don't have that background it's hard to do that and so I just started to introduce myself wherever I went as Karen And it wasn't until about a year ago or two years ago where I was like, why? Like, I'm past my early 20s. I'm not in college anymore. Like, why am I not telling people what my name is, What, how to correctly pronounce what I identify as? But then I'll find myself at a bar and I'm talking to someone and it's loud and they're like, what's your name? And I'm like, Karin. And they're like, what? I'm like, Karin. Like, what? (laughs) I'm like, just call me Karen. (laughs) So I'm still trying to get over that hurdle. So I want to know, like, what made you fully own and embrace that? I think I needed to actually fall in love with the actual hurdle because I was shying away from it for so long. And, you know, the the uncomfortability that I don't know if that's a word, but that that came with explaining to people was also like a part of my boundary issues. Mm. So really like understanding like, I don't need to minimize, especially my name, my actual identity, a huge part of my identity, because you can't say it right. Mm. So there was so much power in really owning up to that this year. And it took me, oh my goodness, like 90% of my life, my entire lifetime so far, to really like sit down and be like, okay, this is the year I'm going to you know, correct people. And it took a lot of friends, like specifically French friends of mine, to sit me down and be like, okay, you need to, 
you know, correct people. Why aren't you doing this? Why are you being okay with something, even though this isn't actually you? Like, what, like, unpack that. Mm-hmm. So I really had to sit with myself and be like, what is it about my name that I'm having such a hard time allowing myself to really embrace? Is it correcting people? Is it owning up to what it really is? Is it being uncomfortable with people not knowing how to say it right or saying mm. it right? Like, what is it? So I really had to sit down and understand that about myself. And when I finally did, I'm like, okay, I will start doing this because it's my name. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, there's so much beauty. My mom, like, you know, there's so many things that came with it that mm-hmm. I want to honor it. So. Oh, I love that. And you just shined a light for me on what is actually the hurdle. And for me, it's impatience. I don't have the patience for someone to like try to figure it out. And if they're not getting it, I just want to like make it easy on them. But that lack of patience is not just about my name. It's about all these other things in my life that I've been very impatient about. So it all really does connect with one another, which is so interesting. There is actually a quote um, by, I don't know how to say it, Warsenshire. Oh, yeah. Wars- oh, my God. I love her work. Yes. And uh, she says, give your daughters difficult names. Give your daughters names that command the full use of tongue. My name makes you want to tell me the truth. Mm. My name doesn't allow me to trust anyone that cannot pronounce it right. <gasps> oh my gosh. And it's so beautiful. Chills. You know? That's what I'm learning too is like, um, I need to embrace it. I love my name. Like the way it's it was pronounced. Name. It's so eloquent and, you know, beautiful. But I am not, I'm doing it a disservice by telling people what my name isn't. Also, Karen has a very bad connotation. <laughs> So, do I really want to be identified with that? I don't know. No, no I'm don't. just kidding. I mean, I do have my Karen. My Karen self does come out from time to time. So, you got into content creation about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to your childhood. What were you like when you were a little girl? <laughs> I was. Welcome just... to therapy. Oh my god, this should be your freaking. Uh, what is that slogan? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> My childhood uh, was very, my parents raised me in a very strict manner, uh, very conservative, very strict, very, a lot of no's and a lot of maybes that equaled out to no. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to get really creative with the things and activities and my playtime that I did because, you know, playing with the neighbors was not allowed. Like going outside of the gate or whatever in the Philippines was not allowed. Like you needed to really just work with what you had. And I think that stuck with me from when I was a child to now um, because that's kind of how fast forward, like I was able to build my business. But back to my childhood, I was always very creative because I had to be creative. I had to work with the things that I had to kind of, you know, create the space that I wanted because I wasn't able to actually be in those spaces outside of the the gated community, right? So, um, like for instance, I wasn't like allowed to buy skirts. So mm-hmm. I cut my pants the se- at the seams and I made my own skirt. Like I would do stuff like that. Like I wasn't allowed to wear bikinis, like two pieces when I was like, uh, like 12 or 13. So I would cut my one piece bathing suits and like literally makeshift my own two piece bathing suit. Stuff like that. So 
I had to really get creative because of my strict parents and I'm, you know, I used to be really resentful for that, but I'm really grateful actually for the experience because I'm able to take that experience with me into my adulthood and that's kind of what pivoted me into doing what I do now as a career. That's amazing because one thing that I really believe in is like we find ourselves doing certain things out of necessity Mm -hmm. in the moment Mm -hmm. but then that's what opens the door for what our life's purpose is or what our higher path is. For me, what got me into this whole world of mindfulness and spirituality and wellness was my necessity for physical healing because I had a chronic illness. And now I'm here. Wow. Like I love the place that I'm in and I'm grateful for those moments that brought me to this one. And in your case, it seems like you were forced to be creative Mm -hmm. to experience some level of thrill that you weren't allowed to experience as a child. But that set you up to have the mindset and the creative juices that are flowing now to do so in a way that is very authentic to you. And looking back, you know, at that moment in time, you wouldn't understand why. But looking back now, you're I'm, I'm like, wow, like it all had to happen for me to be able to even be where I'm at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Same for you. Yeah. Getting into your content creation and influencing. How did you know you wanted to enter it? Because it that was nine years ago, so that was like still in its early days. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a long story, but we'll <laughs> long story <laughs> short. So while we were hanging out, every time we would each tell a story, we would be like, "Long story short," when and then we would it would be the long version. <laughs> Okay, so I actually didn't want to be in it. So nine years ago, back to my childhood, I didn't, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things. I wasn't allowed to go to the mall. I wasn't allowed to like watch movies with my friends at the cinema, blah, 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 whatever. So I needed that, um, I needed to find a creative outlet for myself to keep myself sane in a way. You know, when you're a young adult teenager, you need that for yourself. And being that I just moved here from the Philippines at that time, I really was yearning for connections for um a community that understood me per se like that was maybe out there that i didn't know existed and the internet was my friend and so i started off on tumblr and i that was my creative outlet in you know when i was in college i was in college for nursing and i hated my life for it but when you're growing up in a filipino household there was only one way to get successful and that is through the medical field or be a lawyer or an architect or what have you, you know, very narrow, narrow minded um, thoughts of success in a way. But I also can't blame my parents for it because that's just how they were raised and what they knew. So I've forgiven them for that. And I think I've moved forward from that mindset. So when I was starting out, it was all because I was looking for a community that I wanted to relate to, an outlet for creativity that I was yearning for. And so I started on Tumblr, and then I swore to never make it Instagram because I said, one social platform is enough. And lo and behold, like somebody had created a fake account on on Instagram with me in 2014, I think it was, or no, 2012. And 
they had about like a thousand followers and I was wow. like, who is this person? They took all my photos, created captions, oh made my it gosh. seem like it was me. And I was kind of like up for the challenge in a way where, okay, let me build my real one and get more following than this person that's catfishing me. And so that was my goal. And I mean, I surpassed whoever that was and thank and thank you to that person wherever you are if you're listening because honestly that was the pivotal moment of my entire life that is so beautiful and crazy (laughs) it's really those moments where you think your life is ending when actually it's turning around towards the direction you were meant to go in absolutely Something kind of similar happened to me recently. Long story short. Um, I posted a TikTok two weeks ago. I haven't talked about this on the show yet. But basically, whenever I post my book on Instagram or TikTok, I create a digital graphic that looks like a page of a book because that way everything is very consistent and looks the same because I'm a perfectionist to an extent, as you will hear in the story. Otherwise, whenever I would try to take pictures of my book, the lighting would be different. Like I didn't know what page to post every day. Like it was just not a good system. So anyways, I design everything on Adobe. So a few weeks ago, I wanted to post an essay from the loneliness chapter. And the essay is three pages long. It's very, very long. And the title of it is Your Time Will Come To. And it's basically an essay about how like being the only single one in your friend group and everyone tells you like, don't worry, like you'll meet your person. And it's like that spiraling, never ending thought of like, you feel lonely, but you also do love yourself. And when am I going to meet my person? And, you know, I keep going back to the toxic person from my past. And like, is it ever going to happen to me? And it's a very vulnerable piece of work that I was very hesitant to include in my book because it was so personal and it was like as if I'm bringing everyone in the world into the depths of my mind but I published it anyways because I wanted to for myself not for anyone else but I never thought anyone would ever relate to that essay because it was very intricate and detailed for some reason a few weeks ago I felt called to share it on TikTok and so I go on Adobe and I copy and paste from my PDF of my book the whole essay, so everything is like grammatically correct. But then I typed the title. So instead of writing, your time will come to, I wrote, you are time will come to, like your apostrophe, okay? And whenever I post out of excitement, I like don't proofread, I should. I'm the same way. So I posted on TikTok, put my phone down, go, made dinner, ate dinner, cleaned the kitchen, and I come back to my phone an hour later and my TikTok is blowing up. And like hundreds of comments, my video got like a thousand likes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going viral, like amazing. <laughs> I look at the comments and people are so cruel, but God bless them, they really helped. They were like, how did you publish a book and the first word has is grammatically incorrect maybe like tens like hundreds of comments like that but then there were people who commented you articulated something I never was able to it feels like you went inside of my mind and my entire life and wrote everything in one essay this line just hit me all the feels like I'm crying but they're tears of peace like really beautiful comments where I thought wow I'm not alone on this one Mm -hmm. so long story short (laughs) 
The TikTok went viral. It got like 1.3 million views, like 50,000 saves. And, oh, I forgot to mention this. When it when I saw that my post was going viral that in that first hour, one side of me was like, you should delete this and repost it because no. this is embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. You are a writer. I'm shaking my head. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to delete it for the 10, 20, 30 people who noticed the grammatic error. I'm going to keep it for the thousand people who resonated with yes. it and the other people who might also resonate with it. And thank God I did that and I didn't care what the haters said. That because it went viral right after that, like really went viral. Then a few days later, I got an email from my publisher being like, sales are up. I'm like, oh my God, amazing. I ended up being number five on Amazon bestsellers on the poetry list oh God, for a few amazing. days. And I was very confused because I knew it was from the TikTok, but like I didn't realize it could make that big of a dent in the numbers when it came to sales. And I was emailing my publisher being like, lesson learned, double proofread anytime you post something. And they were the ones who told me, you know, we were actually talking about it internally today and we think the typo made it go viral because on TikTok, it's all about the comments that feed the algorithm. So all of those people who commented like, you idiot, like you, how did you write a book? Like it's, it's Y-O-U-R, like get your yours correct. Like all the negative stuff actually helped to go viral. So that moment where I was like, oh my God, that was a major fuck up was actually key to success. Absolutely. <laughs> Similar you to your know. situation. Yeah. You never know what that moment will hold for you no. in the future. And sometimes it's, it's in those moments of like, like, upset right mm-hmm. like you think things are ending that like you, you just like don't know the opposite end of it is almost like a whole new beginning something you know starting like successful stuff like i don't know but you could never like when there's a positive there's also like that negative and vice versa on mm-hmm. the spectrum so it's beautiful i also feel like intuition plays a big role on that because in my case intuitively i was like no i want to keep this up mm-hmm. And I feel like for you, intuitively, you were like, I want to prove this wrong and like see what I could do with it. If this person has a thousand followers and they're not even me, I want to prove myself oh, too. Well, I might as well make my own. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And then I didn't know where I was going to go. I just, I, it was my, my outlet. I enjoyed it. I would take my hashtag OOTDs back then. <laughs> and I would, you know, figure out a way on how to do it. Juggling three jobs. It was just, it gave me so much happiness and joy and like it was my my peaceful you know oddly enough instagram now is so different Mm -hmm. but back then it was you know the the thing giving me peace and um i was moved out at that time so i really had nothing to hold me at this like like really good mental health space besides posting on social media that like gave me so much joy because then people were resonating people like were getting inspired and i was so happy about that and so one day while I was in college, like taking a final, of course, I was on my email, wasn't really taking the final. <laughs> and I get this email from this random, uh, I guess, agency at that time. And this was uh, 2014. The year was 2014. It was about 7 or 8 p.m. at night. And it said, we would love to send you a shirt attached below. And we'll pay you $10 to post a shirt on Instagram. Let me know what you think. Those rates back then, man. <laughs> I was shook. Because I, I had to read it about five times. And I said, why would you pay me to post it? I don't understand. 
but and, and I showed it to my boyfriend at that time now my husband like what do you think is this real I was like what is this and then he said just reply and say yes we'll take the photo we'll, we'll post it and you know we'll see what happens we, we do the thing we take the photo we post it they send me check and I'm like wow ten dollars <laughs> and then so a couple weeks pass they come back and they're like hey we have these socks can you post these socks on your Instagram we'll send you 50 bucks wow I was like oh my god it's like another one so if i keep this going i could actually pay my student loan my bills whatever my groceries i just was going like thinking big and i was like oh like i could i could like pay my psc and g, g bill like it, it was just a thing it was like positive and so i did it and it kind of just you know i don't know it was, like snowballed, snowballed and it became a thing and uh you know the rest was history one thing i love about your page and i think this is why you are so successful is how authentic and relatable you are. I have not scrolled back to the 2014 <laughs> The Gray Liars feed, <laughs> but was that, was there ever a pivotal moment where you were like, I'm creating content that doesn't feel aligned, I need to get back to myself? Or were you always, I'm going to show up as my authentic self? and be relatable and show everything and not just be this like picture perfect feed or account. I always was an open book on social media. I always followed my gut and I was very much aligning myself with my intuition, my gut feelings and um, sharing anything and everything from the very beginning, even on Tumblr, even as I was just starting out because it was it, it always felt innate in me like mm -hmm. and that's how I built my community in the beginning because of me trying to look for that relatability outside of myself and it always felt so natural for me to do that instead of just keep everything very clean planned feed very like picture perfect and um, I think it's very unfortunate that now on social media it's actually not as uh, spotlighted to do that anymore it's seen as cringe as chiggy as like mm -hmm. not the thing to do and like you're oversharing so maybe not do that you know so it's it's almost it's changing so fast in this fear of instagram where like now I'm, I'm kind of getting confused i'm like okay like do we share do we not like what do what should i do so it's definitely changing but back then since my early stages it's always been about you know, finding other people. If I can only find one other person to relate with me about a specific topic, then I'm doing my job. Because that's your community. Those yeah. are your people. And that's yes. why, I mean, that's what led me to your page originally. And that's what I appreciated your content for. Because I was, I related to what you were putting out. So whenever you would post something, I just immediately energetically felt connected to it. And this was something we were talking about before of, the energetics when it comes to social media mm -hmm. and often people who even if you don't have a brand or a business instagram and you're just on your personal feed what you post has so much energy behind it and so when you're posting a picture it's not just the picture um, it's how you felt in that moment that you are also documenting what you write in your caption says more than what is actually written it's like the energy, the mood, the mindset. For you, what is your 
creative process and then how do you deliver it authentically in the moment? So because I operate through my gut all the time, about 90% of my creative process comes from being very intuitive. And so an example would be, I am on a trip. I'm in Italy for a trip that I planned and I have all these things that I want to do very much aligned with me, let's say horseback riding. And in that moment, I know I am so, I'm like beaming with so much joy and very much a lot of peace, just, you know, riding the horse and having a great time. I want to make that moment like a memory. And so we do a shoot around it Mm. in that very moment. I don't know how the photos are going to come out because it's, you know, you're with a thousand pound animal who has a mind of its own so you don't really know and also you're in like another country and the shoot wasn't planned you don't have a team whatever but like it's kind of like just going with the moment and what it's going to offer you so then just embracing all of that I feel like the energy that you have in that moment you know the joy the peace like all of those things kind of are being sucked into that photo and so Mm. I believe that when I post it because I'm so excited about it because there's so much of myself like being put into that little square I feel like a lot of my audience will also relate and chances are they do I love that yeah because you are not just documenting the scene it's like you're documenting your joy your bliss the energy between or the connection between Mm -hmm. like you and the horse Mm -hmm. and obviously that's like one specific example but I've never thought about it that way of like, what am I feeling? What was I feeling in that moment? And I'm like thinking to my personal feed, like I need to go scroll through my feed. Like, and I feel like I've actually seen a lot of influencers where they'll do a TikTok and they're like the story behind this photo. And it's like this beautiful selfie in Paris and everything looks perfect. And then on the TikTok, they're like, actually, I was crying this entire day because my luggage was stolen or whatever it is. And they were like, I was miserable, like my energy, my mindset was so negative. But then all we see is like this beautiful picture. And it's so interesting how, like you said, there's still this gap between how much do we share that's authentic versus like how much is too much. With Instagram, I feel like we still all have this connotation that it needs to be polished. And then on TikTok, people are more free and they tell it how it really is. As far as finding inspiration with your content creation and making sure that it stays authentic, where do you look? I love travel. And whenever I travel... For me, my biggest inspiration is the surroundings. So I kind of already gauge how these environments would look like, let's say Iceland. And so I kind of find my, I have a very visual brain. Mm -hmm. So I could see these photos already before they kind of happen. I don't know if that makes any sense. Totally. So whenever I like say, okay, we're going to go to Iceland. I already have these shots in my head like prepared and when I bring them to life then that's kind of like you know that's my process but finding the inspiration really a lot like it's it's all depending on 
I don't really like go on Pinterest or there's no really like, like, let me look at magazines. It's more of just let me go to these countries, bring my clothes and see how it makes me feel. Mm. I'm very kind of go with the flow. Like I make a draft of like all the things I want to try and do and see while I'm traveling. And then in the moment, I just kind of dive in and, you know, let the environment do its thing while I'm in the middle of it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that does. It's like you you leverage your visual mind to like set the foundation of what you're hoping to capture, but then you also surrender to what the moment should be based off the what the universe is giving to you in that moment. It's also helping me to stop being such a control freak because there's moments where I want this specific photo to happen. Like I want to control every factor, every aspect just to create this one image but sometimes it doesn't work out like that. And I've been so upset in the past, as I've mentioned to you in our past conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice to kind of let things go and just see what the environment makes of it. And usually it turns out way better than you expect it to. Or it's like the picture that you just randomly took or like the test photo ends up being the photo. Yes, that's <laughs> usually what happens. It's like we do one photo just to see the lighting and it's actually like the best photo out of the bunch. Yeah. Wow. We don't even need to continue. Like, and if you do continue, it's like the shittiest stuff. Yeah. You're like, we should have just left it. Like, no one to leave the party (laughs) when the party is popping. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome and comparison and all of that? Absolutely. I think more as I'm getting older than when Mm. I was younger, which is very strange because usually it's the other way around. I don't know about you. I feel like when we were young. We, when we were young, we're we are young. Earlier too. It's like you don't really think into Yeah, I think we were all very naive. Yeah. Like we didn't care too much at about all. things. <laughs> we didn't think about, oh my God, how is this going to impact yeah. my name or my image or my future? We were just like, I want to do this and I think it's going to feel good right now. So I'm going to go do it. And then we dealt with the consequences later. If there were. If there were, yeah. yeah. Imposter syndrome. I want to say it started happening for me like 2021 to maybe now recently. And I used to think that shit was a myth. I was like, that's not true. I've never experienced that. It's not real until I've been in the boat. And I'm like, wow, this is the thing that people talk about. It's real. It's happening. And it's ridiculously hard to get past sometimes. On some days, it's really heavy. And especially because the industry is so saturated now and there's a lot of people in the sphere and you can't help but see what everyone else is doing. It's not like a nine to five office job where, you know, you don't see other people's desktops. You don't know what they're really doing or like how far along they've done their work. Here, everything is out in the open. So I think that I've learned to um really unpack that for me because I realize that it's a me thing Mm -hmm. you know and I'm putting that pressure on myself I'm the one that's looking at other people's work and like you know what they're doing and oh how come I'm not doing this or or vice versa you know so after unpacking that which I you can never be done with it because there's always so much work to do um I realized that it's actually within myself. Mm. I can choose to look, you know, at my own work 
and also it helps when you're surrounding yourself with like the right kind of people that like give you that positive affirmation because i think we all need it Mm -hmm. and also check your love language because i realized that my one of my like important love languages is um words of affirmation Mm -hmm. so that probably does something i don't know that's interesting have you taken that test yeah mine is quality time and physical touch so i don't think it goes with the imposter syndrome but no, it's it is interesting because you, I've been there too. Where like I didn't believe in it, I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. I always thought like I could be whoever I want to be, and mm-hmm. I will own that when I'm at that seat right. at the table. But I had a very massive awakening this year when I published my book, and so I now was an author. But I would meet people, and they would ask me what I would do, and I would downplay it so much. I would say. Oh, like I, I work in advertising, but I also like I I published a book, and they're like, oh, so you're an author? I'm like, yeah, but like I'm a writer, but yeah, I'm an author, and I wouldn't own it because I didn't feel like I deserved it, to be honest. So do you think that there's a difference between humility and um, confidence and like or- not downplaying yourself? Like you could still be humble, but like learn that what you're doing is something amazing and that you should be proud of it wow i love how you said this because that's what i've been unpacking it as well and that's what i'm learning to be better at like i think there's a fine line between humility but also being proud of what you've accomplished i'm just someone where i never want to come off as overly confident because i'm not overly confident like When I published the book, it was a massive win for me. It was my biggest dream. And I was so proud of myself. And I am still very proud of myself. Yeah, Yeah. as I should. But I also, me having the title of being an author is not going to change how I feel when I walk into a room. And I never want that to change. I don't identify with that as who I am. That is a part of me for sure. But, But however, I thought, Now that I have this title, I need to act like an author. And like, what would an author act and think like? So I I was struggling to like find that middle ground of, wait a minute, I am really proud and confident and excited for myself. But I also am humble. Like I am, that's how I am. So that was like the imposter syndrome that I was Mm -hmm. working through. And I even was talking to another writer a few weeks ago and she was saying the same thing. Like she's publishing her book next year and she was saying, how do you introduce yourself? I was like, well, now I say I'm an author, but I used to not. I used to sometimes say writer, if that. But going back to what you said, which I really want to dive deeper into is it's all within yourself. Because at the end of the day, the reason why we feel imposter syndrome is because we don't see ourselves for what we truly are or what we are capable of or the worth that we innately hold and so when we look at someone else's feed or someone else's success we look at them and think to ourselves i want what they have or why don't i have that yet or do i even deserve to be at the same Mm -hmm. table as that person Mm -hmm. so for you what does that process of unpacking it look like It took a long time. I think it took about a year and a half and I'm still working at it every day. Um, I sometimes don't, for me, it's the latter of what you said where I don't, I don't, I don't understand how I'm seated at certain tables because I don't think that I have earned it. Mm -hmm. Like 
and I think there's there's a part of me that want, like that is thinking, okay, the work is so seamless. My career, my work, my daily, you know, job that I have to do toward my career is so simple, and to me, it's so natural that I it's so easy almost not I don't want to say easy but like it's very flawless where I'm like I feel like I'm made for it so when I'm seated at the table where all these other people are like really successful people I'm like oh my god like I didn't even do the work Mm. how am I seated here like what oh my god I I know exactly what you're feeling right because Because for for me writing is the most effortless thing it's absolutely and anytime I try to do something else I was telling you before about something that I was working on, which didn't feel aligned that I pushed myself through. I was like, it felt like I was walking up this mountain that I just like couldn't see the end of. Whereas writing is like a breeze for me. Um, So I'm going to say something. Do you think that that comes from a generational cycle that we are probably trying to break without even knowing it? Because the way my parents work is they don't believe in having a day off. They Mm. don't believe in rewarding themselves. It's almost so uncomfortable for them to believe that they deserve something so good that if you even just think about having an hour to yourself of not doing anything, it's wrong. Mm. Like, if you didn't work to the bone on something, you didn't really earn it. That's interesting. that's something that was maybe passed down to me without me knowing it. Because I've seen them while I was growing up and they had to really, you know, get their hands dirty, like really work and really like tire themselves. So that's all you knew, like the way to achieve success would be through And I feel subconsciously, yes, like that's probably why I feel like I don't deserve half the things that, you know, are given to me from being in the career that I am is because I feel like I didn't really get my hands that dirty. I didn't really like you know, work myself to the bone and, like, tire myself out. But I feel like that's probably not the right thing to... I'm going to challenge you because when I think to... This is really interesting, the generational thing. I never thought about it in that way. In my case, my parents have always hustled and they... To achieve success, they really, really have to work hard and make, you know, compromises and be really tight with money and be really smart with money. And so my upbringing was like, we really need to like, I don't want to say like fight for success, but like really got to put in the work. And so I adopted that hustle mentality and I loved it. I've always been that way. When I, the second I turned 16, I was like, I want to get a real job, make my own money. When I was in college, I had an internship every semester to build my resume. When I was in, you know, at my first job, I made sure to get coffee with all the leaders or like talk to them in the elevator to build relationships and build rapport so that I could, you know, have them support my back or like invite me to a meeting. And like, I worked really, really hard. I think, so I, now that I'm like speaking out loud, I did hustle the way that I was raised and the way that I saw my parents hustle I'm now reaping the benefits, which is why it's so such a breeze in the present moment. Like, I think in your case, you spent all of those years hustling, doing the random Instagrams for $10 for a pair of socks, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You hustled and you worked really, really hard. And now 
it's so effortless to you because you've been doing it for so many years. You know how your business operates and what feels aligned and what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. You know how to take content because you've been doing it for so many years. So now when you're invited at the seat of the table, I think you need to change the dialogue of, well, obviously I'm here because I worked my ass off for the past decade. In my case, of course I'm, I've arrived here being an author because I've been writing, building a brand for three years on Instagram. I've been writing consistently since I was 16 on my notes app. Mm-hmm. Now this is the benefits that I'm now reaping mm-hmm. and that's why it feels so effortless. That's how I would think about that's it. That's a beautiful perspective. Oh, thank I you. Love <laughs> I love that this is recorded because now I can like listen. To oh, good, good. Me too. Anytime. <laughs> the the imposter syndrome. Like, <laughs> let me just listen to this particular. I'll send you a little two minute clip of it. <laughs> Please do. You know. No, it's beautiful. No, that's so true because you don't think about that in the moment. You're so like, you. We worked hard for it, but no. The thing is. This pause right now that we're doing while we're talking about it is, is uh, it, it does, this doesn't happen in real life. This yeah. Is, like, you don't get this like moment of moment. reflection. No, no, we don't even sometimes. I personally could say this about myself. I don't pause and think about, oh my God, these are all the things that I've done. You know, so this is a really great reflection for me that I can walk away and like remember this. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, this is great. That's amazing. I want to touch on that on the self-reflection because something I think all of us really struggle with is celebrating ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we heal certain things and we don't even recognize the depths and the lengths that we went through to heal that. And then we arrive at a place and we're like, we still have so much more work to do or we achieve, achieve a goal and we're like, I still got to do more. And a lot of us really struggle to take that pause and reflect and be like, wait a minute, I'm doing really fucking good. Like I'm, I healed that part of myself for like, I brought that dream to life or I got that deal that I once only dreamed of. What are some, you know, practices or rituals that you do to help you notice those moments of progress? Or do you, I guess? For me... I, I don't think I share this a lot on social media, but I'm a very spiritual person. I sometimes would hint at it or like we'll talk about it on social media, but it's not every day that I actually open up about it. And it's not something that I have really taken the time to, you know, sit down and talk about fully on my page. But I, a lot of the ways where I remember like all of these very pivotal moments in my career, even just like in my everyday life, my personal journeys is when I, um, you know, sit down and I reflect on like when I pray or when I do my astrology or when I, you know, when I write in my journal, but a lot of those are very inward works that help me really remind myself that, oh my gosh, like these are all of the things that I've done that I once just prayed for and now they've either happened already or are happening right in front of me and I'm so busy thinking about the next thing that I want to mm-hmm. achieve where I'm not even giving, you know, credit where credit is due with what's in front of me right now, which is very unfortunate, but I guess in the moment of that self-reflection of, you know, realization even, I'm able to, you know, take that step forward and 
you know, changing that mindset. That awareness that you have is yeah. so beautiful because it goes down to awareness. You're in a moment and you're thinking, wait a minute, let's stop yeah. and pause and reflect and take note of the fact that this is a blessing that I once prayed for and now I'm living it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I still struggle to this day of, I think there's like a, a weird thing where I try to live as presently as possible every moment and use the future as a source of inspiration and a place where like I can continue dreaming. But I don't want that to take away from the moment that I'm in right now. And how often, I'm sure you've been there where you're like you're in an experience and you're at an event or you're working with a brand that you once, you know, had on your vision board and you're like, wait a minute, this is happening. Like, I wanna be here fully for this. But then quickly you're like, okay, I crossed this brand off. Like, let Next. me add Chanel to the right. list now, you know? Right. No, it happens all the time for me. And I really, um, it's that pause that I'm really learning to, you know, keep adding into my everyday. And, and I think it's all about gratitude too. Like when you practice like gratitude in your everyday life, you kind of are more in tune to see a different perspective that you probably never saw before where like, oh my God, like I'm in my dream apartment. I mm -hmm. have this view, like how crazy, like, you know, like I've only once wished for this. Like I got to wake up this morning, like little, little things. Yeah. And then it all changes your perspective. So I think gratitude plays a huge role in it too, where, cause if you, it, it has a certain lens where when you're looking through the lens of gratitude, as corny as it sounds, like you see things that probably if if you were too busy looking at like, you know, your next checklist, you wouldn't really see it. Mm -hmm. What does your morning or evening routine look like with these types of practices? Totally not Instagram aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. Like, Doesn't have to be. I wake up, I brush my teeth, wash my face, put on like two like skincare products. And then I go feed my dogs. And then, like, I, if I have time, I'll, like, make a breakfast. And then, like, the one thing that is always going to happen, though, I'll have my coffee. Like, I'll make my coffee, and then that's it. And then whatever else throughout the day that I need to do is what I do. And do you specifically carve out time to practice gratitude or pray? Yes. Or does that come to you, like, throughout the day? So I that's more, for me, the biggest part of that chunk is really in my, in my nighttime. Mm. So, but throughout the day... They say, like, you know, you have to go to church to pray, right? It's such a big thing. But for me, I think, like, I am more aligned with, like, God, the universe, when I'm in the environment, when I'm in nature, mm -hmm. when I'm outside, me when too. I'm in my work, when I'm talking to clients, like, you know, when I'm shooting, filming, what have you, when I'm writing my captions, when I'm driving to my job, like those are the moments where I really feel so connected and so present, you know, but like when I'm in church, like, yes, sure. But it's not the same for me. It's when I'm in church, I feel the collective energy, yes. which is really beautiful and remarkable. But my father always said to me growing up, God is in your heart. Yeah. Like it's not anywhere else. It's like, it's what you feel. Mm -hmm. And so now wherever I am, whether it's me commuting to my office or me across the world, like I still feel that level of warmth and peace. 
which I think is so beautiful because it just, wherever I am, whatever stage in life I'm at, whatever low moment, high moment, mm -hmm. I have this innate belief that his presence is with me at all times, which for a very long time, I didn't pray as much. And now I'm, you know, I'll walk, I'll, like I'll go on my long walks by the water, by my apartment, and I'll just like look at the sunshine dancing on the, the river and I'm like, hey God, you're doing some magic over there I know because he's everywhere that. like that collective energy is everywhere yes. and it's it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the beginning of where you find your inspiration and you said it's your surroundings mm -hmm. I think anytime I feel alone or stuck or confused I look at my surroundings and I'm reminded I'm I'm very protected I'm loved and when I say surroundings I mean my ho the home I live in, nature, the people around me, the money that I have, like the clothes in my, like everything, like the life that I live mm -hmm. is that presence and that love and that support, guidance, protection, all the things. We just need to open up to it. I fully resonate with that. It's beautiful. So you mentioned... <laughs> So you mentioned you're really into the spirituality. So I want to dive deeper into that. What does that mean to you? And how did you come to the place you are currently in with faith and trusting the universe and all of that? Ooh, okay, <laughs> wow. Um, it's been a journey for me. I think that growing up as, uh, you know, in a very conservative, very religious family, I never like I never felt connected to religion back then. I never felt connected to spirituality growing up because it felt like a chore. But the second that it stopped, uh, I was able to find my way, my own way back to it. But it took a lot of turns. It took a lot of not I don't want to say turns, but it took a lot of routes to get here. And it was all beautiful. But I think that eventually it really led me back to where I'm supposed to be. Um, I have dove into, you know, just studying religion in itself, the different practices, Buddhism, like all that stuff. I've dove into astrology and there were, there were moments where I would go down the rabbit hole and I would be a very firm believer that astrology is the only way. It's this world that we should just, you know, ingrain it into our everyday, blah, blah, blah. And then... This year really, and 2024 is a very spiritual year because it equals out to, or 2023 is a very spiritual year because it equals out to seven. And if you look it up, seven is a very spiritual number. So I was told that in the beginning of the year and I didn't really know what that meant up until things started happening for me this year where, um, you know, very personal things were let's say things didn't work out with relationships, with friendships, with, you know, a job that I wanted. Um, and I had nowhere to turn to. And, you know, I tried astrology. I tried all these other, you know, ways of just coping and it didn't work for me. And so I said, okay, let me revisit back to, let me go back to the beginning. Let me go mm. back to my roots. And my mom at the beginning of the year, funny enough, she invited me to go to Lourdes. It's a small town in France. It's this like, mm -hmm. you know the place. And it's a very miraculous town. Um, and she said, I wanna go. And I go, 
she never goes on vacation. <laughs> she never goes on trips. She doesn't believe in trips. So she wants to go. Let's make it a trip. And so I went with her and my dad, and I hated the trip. <laughs> I It was a four-day trip, and out of the four days, the two days were hell for me. Um, I was doing everything very, like, organized, like, you know, 9 a.m. mass, and then we had the confession and then we had all these things and it was very like structured Mm -hmm. structured religion and I I couldn't I couldn't grasp it and I hated it and I was like why am I here I feel like I don't belong like why do you have to do xyz to just fit in like I was at church I was sitting down and I I I felt like I was an outsider like I didn't feel that I was part of the community and I was questioning everything this was this year Mm -hmm. and so all these questions, right? Like, I was like, I need these answered before I leave. Like, I mm. need somebody to tell me, like a priest or a nun or somebody of an actual, like in, in the religious aspect to, to tell me an answer because I, I need these to be ruled out. Like, these are myths in my head. So um, I separated from my parents at the trip. I kind of needed some space, so I took that. And then there was this nun that, like, came up to us and was like hey are you Filipino and I'm like yeah are you Filipino and she's like yeah and (laughs) she took me around town she's like let me take you to town let's get lunch like she was so nice and it was so random and then all of the questions in my head I still haven't shared here on the podcast but one of them was like why do I have to go to church to be good person like what if I just pray by myself you know what if I have my own relationship with God and does that make me a bad person so it was so strange because when we were hanging out when we were having coffee she was telling me oh the generation now is so different they don't want to go to church they don't have this specific like you know organized way of doing things but that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person mm-hmm. because your personal relationship with God is your own journey. Mm-hmm. I was baffled because I'm like, I've never said this to you. I've never shared this. I've never vocalized this question, but she almost answered it without me even asking. Mm. It was just a conversation that she was saying. Oh, she brought it up she without. It up. Oh, and I was just like, wow, that's God coming through. That's her. what it is. And yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like this is, it was one of those like moments where I'm like, wow, like what is happening? Like, like, you know, and so I kind of just kept going with it and I created my own experience during the trip. Like I separated from, from my mom. I felt like I needed to make it my own journey. And at the end of all of it, like I felt so renewed and I felt so aligned with it. And, um, you know, I had a better understanding of like my own relationship with God. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be just like, person A, person B, my mom, my dad, like it's my own journey and my relationship with God, my friendship with God is so different from my mom's. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important to take note because a lot of people I think that are, you know, that grew up like, I guess, conservative or like in a household that like was really, um, religious they feel like they need to be like their parents or they feel pressured into the same religion but I feel like it doesn't need to be organized it just needs to be your own journey with God and that's all Mm -hmm. that matters I 
completely agree. And I love how that woman gave you that realization. What a blessing to have an encounter, like, like a divine encounter yeah, of that yeah. sort. I think it's also being really intentional and clear with yourself on what feels right. Like for me, I do like going to church, mm-hmm. but I go for it for, for, yourself. for myself. Yes. And I also go for it for the community aspect because I see, you know, I'm Armenian and Assyrian. So I like going to my Armenian church and seeing my Armenian community. And I like going to my Assyrian church to see my Assyrian community and that collective energy. But when I'm in church and I'm doing the sermon, there are moments where the priest will say something and I'm like, wow, that is so powerful. Yeah. And that's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. But also that's the role that church plays for me. But when I feel the most connected, Mm -hmm. like that divine oneness with him and the collective energy is when I'm private alone with myself, Mm -hmm. like in solitude. And that solitude could look like on a bus with hundreds of strangers around me or whatever, or it could be in my apartment. But it's like that connection that I only can feel and what you said I think is really important where everyone's relationship with God or the universe is so different even if you don't subscribe to anything Mm -hmm. it's that is so personal and unique to you Mm -hmm. how now that you've like refound that faith how has it transformed your everyday life and how you overcome any obstacles that inevitably will come your way i'm also really big with feng shui by the way which is like a chinese practice of energies around your house and so in the beginning of the year i get a reading of every month and what each month will look like for the year Mm. and they tell me oh it's gonna be five star month it's gonna be a six star month oh this is gonna be a quiet month like oh do this at this month so i you know do that because it doesn't hurt anything, but also, like, it's kind of just nice to see or know. Um, but anyways, so a little story where I had a tough spring, you know, personal situations were happening for me, and I was looking at my chart with a lady that shared me, oh, it's going to be, you know, a quiet month, it's going to be very difficult, like, you know, whatever. And at that time, I... I just, I think, released the the control of how I wanted it to to pan out. Like, I wanted it to be the complete opposite. I wanted it to be a very successful month, blah, 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 all these things. I wanted to be free of whatever was going on in my life. And I think what happened was I was working so hard against the current that it it was stressing me out and it became this this really shitty month where you know she like that I, it didn't work out like nothing was working out for me at that month and i think going back to religion like going back and praying and like letting be letting god that month of june where that lady said like you know the feng shui lady said like oh it's going to be a quiet month it's going to be a very just blah month for you when the second I let things be and I surrendered completely I was praying and I was just feeling really like lighter was when 
it rained jobs. Mm. It was like just, I think it was the busiest month I've ever had in a very long time. And I was getting offers for international uh, trips and new friendships were coming along and new connections and a lot of reciprocation from other people. And it was just all of these things that were happening. And I guess what I'm trying to say is the second I started going back to my roots and I, I can't say this for everybody because again, like this isn't a religious podcast. (laughs) This is not that I'll be very honest about that right now. Like we're not trying to do that, but uh, the second I went back home and I call it home because I feel most at home when I pray and you know, I put the feng shui, like, yeah, I put the feng shui like below that instead of like above it or next to it, like, on the pedestal, I was able to just sit back and let God do his thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful. And I, it wasn't, it, it was like the month that she said was going to be like quiet and dreary mm. and like, you know, lonely, but it, it did it. It was, not it was the opposite. Complete opposite. That's so interesting because I know a lot of us, myself included, you know, we use tarot card readers, we go to a spiritual coach, we talk to the astrologer, we do all the different things. And these, you know, these individuals are so powerful and so healing and they show us things that we might have not seen before. They guide us back to the path towards alignment or they help us navigate a situation that's really stressful and confusing. And the the spiritual coach that I work with, God bless her soul, she's amazing. But there have, and she's been right about so, so many things. But the reason why I still work with her and I respect her tremendously is, I mean, she's been right about a lot. So that's one reason why I go back to her. But she always tells me, she's like, at the end of the day, you need to use your own intuition Mm -hmm. on what feels right. She's like, what I say, I could be so wrong. Like, I hope like on certain experiences so she's like I hope I'm wrong so use your intuition like take this with a grain of salt like this is what I'm seeing and I'm sensing but at the end of the day your fate is dependent on the changes and the actions and the beliefs that you take every Mm -hmm. single day and it also depends on the people around you and their own growth like so what I'm trying to say is when it comes to that kind of guidance it's nothing is really concrete Mm -hmm. whereas for me what i found is that every single day i i've I've seen blessings from above so that's where i place my biggest amount of faith Mm -hmm. because i do have trust in the plan that has been set Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and the reason why i really have trust is because i have so much proof from the past as to you know, why things worked out the way they did or why I didn't get that one brand deal or why that person is no longer in my life or, you know, why my health journey was the health journey, all the different things. There's a trend forecast. Yeah, exactly. There's a trend forecast, which is a really beautiful place to arrive because I also do think, I don't know if this was it for you, but the moment that I started to really surrender was when I was at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And it was the point where I was like, I cannot control this anymore. I don't want to control it anymore. I'm tired of holding the reins. This is so much weight that I'm holding on my back. Like God, take it from me. And he did. 
and like that it was my health journey but like he did take it from me so you know I hope it's not rock bottom that people find that his presence but I think it's remarkable how in your case you kind of went back to what you felt when you were younger but in a very like matured grown woman way of like that's what home felt like and now I'm, I'm unlearning what I thought I should know or believe and I'm coming back to what I once thought when I was a child you almost have to pick and choose you know you customize it for yourself yeah with who you are now because we're ever changing ever evolving ever growing and so I feel like everything that comes with us people experiences our choices our you know selections of even clothing right Mm -hmm. like you can't fit into what you have already outgrown. So same with religion, same with my relationship with God. Like it needs to be customized according to who I am now. Otherwise, it's going to feel so outdated. It's going to feel forced. It's going to feel not aligned with me. Yeah. And I, as you already know about me, I only operate based of like how I feel and what aligns with me best. So. Which I think is so beautiful because it's not even like the fact that you operate in that way is so remarkable because it's not even just in your work or what we're talking about right now. It's like your everyday life. I mean, I remember when you and I first got coffee, we both were like, I don't know if it was like when we got coffee or maybe it was over the voice messages that we were sending. Well, But we both were like apologizing to one another for taking like four days to respond to a voice message. And you were like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just wanted to be like present for it. And like, this week has been crazy. And I was like, oh my God, don't apologize. Like, I'm the same way. And that even is alignment of the boundaries that we've placed for ourselves. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It's our own individual intuitive voice being like, I don't have the capacity to respond right now. Or I want to do it when I have the mental energy to respond energetically not correct but in the right energy frequency you know also i feel like there's a there's a sense of um there's this word what's the word hold on um it's consideration i think there's so much love and respect in considering somebody else's feelings right like considering like i don't know just being considerate is so beautiful to me that I want to make sure that when I give you a reply, when I give you a gift, when I give you my time of day or whatever it is, I am considering you wholeheartedly and I can give you that 100% capacity of me. So I never want to like show up 30%. Mm-hmm. I never want to show up like empty handed or not in my mental my mental capacity that I, you know, I'm so proud of. Like I want to be there a hundred percent for you so that's that's why like if i'm not in the mindset of being able to reply because i'm like doing something else like again what you said has nothing to do with you has nothing to do with anything that you're doing but it's really me like i want to sh- i am holding myself to this like standard level, the standard yes of like showing up at a hundred so yeah. because you deserve that right like yeah. whoever is re- at the receiving end with me i feel deserves the best so that's why I'm like, okay, I can't reply right now. Like, I'm going to give myself a time where I am at 100 to reply to this because she deserves this. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I work. I love that. Yeah. I'm the same exact way. This is why we're friends. Yeah, this is why we're, this is why I could send you a voice oh, message yes. and not feel. Three minutes long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love them, by the way. They're great. 
I think voice messages are the one of the best forms of communication at like in this day. I hate them. Really? Yeah. I love it because for me, I feel like I love talking to people, me right? Too. And I feel like on text, I can't get my enthusiasm or energy or excitement out correctly or like to the free, like to the level that I'm actually mm-hmm. experiencing or feeling the certain things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a phone call, it's you both need to be at the right place at the right time to answer and talk for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's hard with everyone's busy life. So voice message, I just feel like I record, I say what I need to say, put it out in the ether. And then two days later, an hour later, you get like a fun little three minute clip to listen love, to. And yeah. it's so cute. I'm about it. I'm I love it. Girl. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to share today? Anything that you've been marinating on? Anything that's exciting you? Anything you want to leave the listeners with as a final piece of inspo? Damn, you put me on the spot. (laughs) Give us your best piece of wisdom. Oh my God, no pressure. (laughs) I think this year has taught me how to be really open. And being open comes with so many challenges. Especially Mm. as an adult right because we talk about muscle memory with horseback riding we talk Mm -hmm. about muscle memory with our traumas and how we hold on to that same way of doing things for so long because we're just so used to it being open allows me to redirect and to kind of embrace the outcome of whatever it is that the universe or god entails for me like without me having to really control something so hard You know, I guess, and also in that aspect, letting go of control for me, because I am, I can be a perfectionist. I can be, especially with work, especially um, with what I do in my career. So, you know, being open to new outcomes and being open to doing things in a different like way is very challenging. And I love a good challenge. And I think you know, as much as I'm challenging myself every day to do that, like I'm challenging you to do that as well, because, you know, you never know what's on the other end of the spectrum if you give it a shot. I love that. And I couldn't have said it any better. And the only thing I will leave the audience with is nothing changes if nothing changes. God, I love that. No, it's so beautiful. I love how you said being open comes with challenges. I believe that, but I've never been able to articulate it in that way. I think with the frontal lobe. Yeah. <laughs> when your frontal lobe is like at developed. its max and developed, you're like, you think too much and you're like, and then it becomes a challenge. But when you're young, being open is like a breeze. It's like second nature. It's like being open. Yeah, I do that already. We always were. Our minds were open. Our, that's why we would dream so big without thinking about, is it even possible? You know, even making friends, right? You go in the playground, you just go to this girl and be like, hey, want to be friends? And And they say, yeah. Yeah. And then that's that the rest is history. Yeah. But now it's like so much mind. Like Like if I DM, like even just with creators, sometimes I'm like, do I DM them? And I'm like, yeah, I could DM them. And then you get coffee and you're like, why don't we just do this sooner? You know? know. Well, this was so lovely. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you for coming in person. Where can everyone find you? 
My Instagram is at the gray layers. Same with my TikTok at the gray layers. Same with my threads. (laughs) (laughs) My website is under construction, but I'm working on that because I want to go back to writing more. I want to have my own home and not like, you know, put my work on different platforms. It's not mine. I love that. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Follow me along on social media at ECNU and order my book, Beauty in the Stillness, which is available internationally in both digital and print. Everything is linked in the show notes below and I can't wait to see you all in the next episode.